Are you still wholehearted after the Lord? Not having any corners of your heart reserved for other things? But just saying, Lord, here I am. I'm yours. I belong to you. I am yours and not my own. You know, he paid the, he paid the purchase price for you with the life of his son. Not only that, he, he created a world for you to live in and then gave it over to, to mankind. And then when mankind sold that out in the Garden of Eden, he sends his son to purchase back again that authority on the earth. And so for you and I, we live in the most privileged time of all the earth where we can have the very Spirit of God living on the inside of us. This is not something they had under Old Covenant. This is not something our father Abraham had. The Spirit of God wasn't living in him. It would come visit him from time to time. But man, how many know that it's so much better for him to abide in you than to visit once in a while? Yet, how often do we treat it as though we go visit him? Right, so during the week, are we, treating, are we treating our Saturday service as a time we come visit Him? Or have we just been with Him and immersed with Him as the week went along? And this is an expression of what's happening in the week. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but if that's you, you just repent and say, I'm going to change that. Turn in your Bible, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 1 and verse... 18 is where we will begin again. We've been looking at this. I think this is um, part three of this series. And tonight, I'm going to wait for a little while to tell you um, where we're going to go. So in the meantime, we'll do a little bit of review, but not necessarily saying things the same way we've said it before. We'll maybe say them from a little bit different angle, but it'll still be the same things that we have been speaking of before. Here in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18, it says, Come, this is the Lord speaking, Come, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are crimson red, they will be like wool. Now we know that it's the blood of Jesus. It's the only thing that can bring this to pass. And So we look at this and recognize that this was a prophecy of a day to come which we live in. It also held significance for them at the time. Because the next verse applied to both of them. Then and now. It says if. Now if is a condition. Always a condition. If you do this, this happens. It says if you will be willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So here in two verses, as you can find throughout the entire Bible, there is blessing and there is curse. There is reward and then there is penalty. There is, the Lord's will is always that you prosper and do well. That you would walk in His divine will. That's always God's will for you. The trouble is, is people choose differently. And so, let's look at, uh, well, I'll just read a scripture to you out of Second Chronicles. It says this, The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that He may strongly support, that He may strongly support those whose heart is completely His. 
How many would like the Lord to strongly support them? Not just a hint of support, but like He is for you and everyone knows it. Right? That'd be a good thing. So he says, who's he doing that for? Anyone whose heart is completely his. And I love the part of this verse where it says his eyes are going to and fro. He is watching for someone that's like that. You're not going to slip out of his gaze. So he's my man, I've been wholehearted after the Lord, but none of these things are true for me. He just must not be seeing me. No, he sees you. Okay? He sees you. And... Um, there are, of course, conditions to the promise. However, most importantly, you need to just take him at his promise. Okay? Faith begins where the will of God is known. And so you have to know, what did God say about me? What is his intention towards me? And how does he want me to walk? Now you can be in faith for all the things he said. And let's go back and read, read this again. What did he say? He says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. If you are willing and obedient. Now, we've, we've seen that the word obedient means to listen with the intent to do it. To listen and understand and then do it. Well, of course, willingness is a part too. We talked about submission and rebellion and how pride and rebellion is the very nature of the devil. And yet, in the next verse, it tells us the outcome of those who rebel. It says they're going to be devoured by the sword. Let's say it a different way. They are not protected by the divine protection of God and His ministering spirits, the angels. So we don't want to be counted in the group that refuse and rebel. And, and I said similar things. I keep saying last week probably, but I, may, I mean a couple weeks ago, whenever the last message on this subject was taught. And that is, is you cannot rebel against those that the Lord has placed you under and claim to be submitting to God. That's an impossibility. It's an oxymoron. It's not possible. Is it possible to obey a higher power than the one that is over you? Yeah, absolutely. So I use the example of when they tried to close all churches down during COVID. We did not submit to that. Does that mean we were in rebellion to those who made the rule? No, of course not. We were simply submitting to our Constitution, which says you're not allowed to make that rule, first of all. Secondly, if, if the Constitution wouldn't have been there, well, we're just going to go to the next higher authority, which is the Lord. And he said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. So we're not going to do that. We're not going to quit. And so that's not rebellion. That's submission. But because our culture and our language has gotten so twisted and, and you know, if something's cool, now you say it's hot. And if something's hot, you say it's cool. And if something's, you know, a whole lot of fun, you say it's wicked. And, and you know, on and on. Our language has gotten so convoluted with, with the enemy's speech. Pause for effect. That we, we, we get confused in our minds sometimes as to... What is it that I'm actually saying when we say, well, we rebelled against tyranny? No, we didn't. We just submitted to higher laws. Now, we may have resisted, but that's not rebelling. That's something different entirely. See, to rebel means you are under their rule and law, and you are not submitting to it. That's rebellion. But if you're submitting to the next higher law, well, you're not those who rebel. And you're not those who are going to be devoured by the sword. 
Now let me make it more simple. So those that the Lord has placed you under is a whole variety. Everyone, man, woman, and child, has submission applies to them. This is not, some people think it's just a wife issue or a children issue. That's not true. Everyone is required to submit. Okay, we have scriptures even that talk about submit one to another. Right? Preferring each other is more valuable than yourself. So submission applies to everyone. Okay, but I'll use a, a, an illustration that we can all relate to, and that is, is a father of a home or a husband. The Word says that wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now, if we took that verse in and of itself and stood on that verse alone, we'd get into error real quick. Because if the husband is a rascal, he'd be like, it says everything, and so he can just tell her anything that he wants done, evil or not, and she would have to do it. But we have other Bible verses that say that wives should submit to their husbands as is fitting in the Lord. See, that's the key phrase, as is fitting in the Lord. So if, if the husband would tell the wife that he wants to go out and attend some swinging club, all right, would she submit to that? Absolutely not, because that would be wrong. That would be sin. That would be for her to say yes, submit to him, would be her now rebelling to the Lord. And so instead of it saying, well, was she rebelled against her husband? No, she simply submitted to the next higher law, and that was the Lord. And the Lord says, no, don't do that. So that's an illustration of how you can understand when we talk about rebellion and submission, because all of us need to submit to the Lord. Because if you won't submit to the Lord, or those the Lord has placed over you, if they're asking you to do evil, that does not qualify. But as long as what they're asking you is in line with the Word, then it's up to you to submit yourself. Whether it's to your pastor or, or to the church elders or to whoever's leading the group you're in or even to your boss. If you don't want to submit to your boss, go find a new job. Right? Stop, stop. And I heard one guy one time say this. He says, this guy, he's such a rascal. He'll shake the boat and then yell, who's shaking the boat? There's waves, there's waves. And he was the one doing it. So don't be that person, right? All right. Am I hitting heavy enough right out of the gate or should we go deeper? I'm grateful that most of you like me. Or love me. I mean, I said that too recently, that you're required to love me, but you don't have to like me. But more important to me is that the Lord is pleased with me and that's always going to be my standard and my commitment to you is that whether you like me or not, it's irrelevant. It may hurt more or less depending on how close you are to me, but that should never weigh upon me if I'm going to minister truth to you. Especially the light that I have. I am required and the Lord will hold me accountable to tell you the truth that I see. And then it's up to you whether you follow it or not. But you shouldn't just take what I say, especially if you're new in the Lord, um, but even to the most seasoned in the house, if your pastor, if I truly am your pastor, and I say something, you should, you should honor the Lord enough that you sit up and take notice and at least search it out. Now, you could go away from it saying, no, I think pastor's wrong on that because that's not what the Lord's showing me, and that's okay. Right? You have to walk in the light that you have. You can't walk in my light and I can't walk in your light. But what is important is that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt the pastor's not going to shrink back from saying hard things even when they don't feel nice.
And what I need, what I want, want to hear, I don't need it, what I want to hear from you is that you will weigh those things before the Lord and let Him minister to you on them. Alright? I'm not going to condemn you if you don't do or say things that, that I do and say. I had, I, it was quite funny this week. You, some of you remember, most of you probably remember if you were here, how I was talking about pride and how we should eradicate that word from our language. So someone sent me a text this week and uh, said they were so, and they capitalized the word pleased. They were so pleased with me. And, it, and normally they would have always said the word proud. And uh, so it was quite funny. And we both laughed. But you know, if you don't talk the way I talk, you don't give account to me. You're going to give an account to the Lord. All right, so weigh things between you and Him and allow me to be the catalyst that gets you thinking and examining and searching like the Bereans. They would search the Scriptures to see if what the apostles were saying was right. See, just because there's a great and mighty apostle doesn't mean you should just automatically believe them. Does it go along with what you see in the Word? I thought I'd give more amens, but... Go over to Joshua 24. Let's uh, dig a little deeper. I think the song is actually wait out a little bit deeper. Something like that. How many know that song? Oh man, we got a few in the house. Joshua 24. What I would like for you to do on the screen is put it in the New King James and let's go to verse 14. New King James chapter 24 and verse 14. He says, Now therefore, he is speaking to the Israelites. He says, Now therefore, fear the Lord. That does not mean to be afraid of the Lord. Right? It means you're going to hold Him in, re- in, in a reverence that you would be afraid to cross Him, but you're not afraid of Him. Now therefore, fear the Lord. Serve Him in sincerity and in truth. Everyone say, sincerity and in truth. <coughs> Does this sound a whole lot like being wholehearted to the Lord? Sincerity, nothing faked, not pretend. And remember, we talked about this is not your feelings that we're talking about. Your feelings are, you know, can't be trusted. We're talking about from your spirit man on the inside, you are choosing, I'm worshiping the Lord tonight. You know, when they said lift up your hands, I'm going to lift up my hands, even though your flesh is like, can I take a nap? Right? We're singing about joy in the house of the Lord. Yeah, but I don't feel joy. So does that make me fake? No, absolutely not. Because joy isn't a feeling to begin with. Joy is something that's on the inside that when you start to examine what has the Lord done for me, there's a gratefulness and a joy that comes from that. And if you'll stay focused on that long enough, your feelings won't become happy. (laughs) All right, But happiness and joy, not the same thing. So in sincerity, it's not fake. It's in sincerity from your spirit person. He says, uh, in sincerity and in truth, put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you, verse 15, to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Or we could say it this way, the gods of our culture, the gods of our society, The gods of, I'll say it a different way, the things that the world considers important. 
the things that the world places high value on. Most of the world does not place high value on what's happening right here. I know you do because you're here. Unless you just came to, you know, look like you're doing the right thing. Which we've talked about that as well. But he says here, he he goes on and he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Now, serving the Lord is not going to church. Serving the Lord is not going to church. If you serve the Lord, you will go to church. But going to church doesn't mean that you're serving the Lord. Let's say it that way. (coughs) I like how Adam Clark explains the word serve. He says it is to perform God's will by obeying His commands. To do the will of God by being obedient to Him. Doing what He tells you to do. That's what serving Him is. Your reasonable act of service, it says in Romans 12, verse 2, right? That our reasonable act of service is is serving the Lord. That's reasonable. It can also be translated as the word worship. Part of our worship is certainly if you serve Him, you're worshiping Him. But worship is not just singing songs to the Lord. We often say, okay, we're going to have worship now. What we mean is the song portion of our worship service. Right? But just singing is not worship of the Lord any more than talking is. Because I can sing, row, row your boat gently down the stream. That's not worship, right? Or I could sing a song to the Lord that would be worship if I'm singing it from the heart. Otherwise, it's just I'm going through emotion. And again, I'm not talking about the feeling and the goosebumps and, ooh, did you feel the power of God? That's all fun and great, and I like that, and it is wonderful when we can go out and our flesh even got involved. But what I'm talking about is you making the choice on the inside that I'm going to worship Him because He's good to me. I'm going to lift up my hands because He deserves my worship. And, and so worshiping Him is going to be to, the, the number one way to worship the Lord is submit to Him. That's the number one way to worship Him is submit to Him. And then, of course, you're wor- in, in submitting to Him, that means you're going to be obedient to Him and you're going to serve Him. And you're going to, one of the ways that you serve Him is when you come to serve. See, when you come to the church service, that's you being fed. But when you come to service, expect to also be used to feed somebody else. To be a blessing to someone else. Always look around and say, Lord, is there anyone here I should encourage? Because the Word specifically says in Hebrews 11, do not neglect coming together to encourage each other. It doesn't say just be encouraged by the pastor. But to encourage each other. So everyone should always come with the idea that, Lord, is there anyone you want me to encourage tonight? Or maybe there's a bunch of people. And be serving Him in that way. Talking about being a man after God's own heart like David in Acts chapter 13 it talked about it where, where God said I've found David to be a man after my own heart who will carry out all my will. That's what being wholehearted after the Lord is is you carrying out the will of God in your life and not your own will. So everyone look at your neighbor and say willing and obedient. Let's talk a little bit more about sincerity and truth. I'm not going to ask you to turn to these. I'll read them to you. and You're welcome to turn if you want to. uh, But I'm going to go a little bit quickly through this part. He said, 
serve the Lord in sincerity in truth. Well, Jesus said something very similar when He was talking in John chapter 4 to the lady that had come out to the well and He'd ask a drink from her. And so they have this whole exchange. He has a word of knowledge. She's shocked that he knows what he knows about her and all these things. And then she realizes she's in the presence of a prophet. So now's my chance. Let's ask him the hard question. Are the Jews right or are the Samaritans right? Because the Samaritans claim that we should worship here in this mountain where she worshiped, but the Jews claim, no, it's back in Jerusalem. So who's right, prophet? And this is how Jesus responds to her. In verses 23 and 24 of chapter 4, he says, An hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Joshua said in sincerity and in truth, and that's why I changed it to saying you worship Him from your spirit. Because that's how Jesus said it. You worship in spirit and in truth. He goes on and he says this. He says, yes, the Father wants such people to worship Him. The Lord desires it. He wants it. Not just people to worship Him, but people who are in sincerity and in truth. That are wholly His. That have a heart for Him. That have a heart to see His will accomplished on the earth. That have a heart to see it, Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For a people who are saying, Lord, I'm here, I'm ready, I'm able, I'm willing, send me. He goes on, he says, God is spirit. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Or you could say those who serve him must serve him in spirit. From your spirit person on the inside and in truth. And that word in truth means not concealed. For those who think that you can just live your Christian life and never breathe a word of testimony to anyone and just people looking at your life will know that you serve the Lord, that is not, you're missing it. I once had a lady, she was coming to the church and um, she, was, she thought that I was the best thing since sliced bread. I mean, every service she would tell me how great I was. And um, I'd get email after email. And it wasn't, she wasn't my age. She was much older than I was. She wasn't trying to hit on me. Okay? So she, she kept telling me how great. This, you're just the best speaker, the best teacher. Oh, that sermon was so good. And that sermon was so good. Until it wasn't. And you know the sermon I preached? Is that we are required to be witnesses of His goodness with our mouth. So she sent me an email. She said, well, that's just not me. I'm, I'm, I'm not called to witness to people. I'm called to be to, to prayer. I said, well, if, if you're a Christian, you're called to be a witness. You're called to tell others of His goodness, of the way to the Lord. Tell them what He's done for you. And um, she no longer came to church. Apparently, I didn't walk on water anymore. So, if you're sitting here tonight and you think, yeah, that's just not me, I'm not outgoing. You know, the Great Commission didn't say anything about those who are outgoing or extroverts or introverts or any kind of vert. Right? No, it's everybody. The Gospel is all-inclusive. Every personality type, in or out. Right? Every part, everyone is required to always be ready with an answer. 
and to be looking for opportunities of who's ready, who's ready, who's able, who's wanting, who needs a touch from the Lord right now. And we're surrounded by people, if you're just looking and watching for it, who are ready for that. You're also surrounded by people who are not. And it won't take you long to find both groups if you just start. Now, don't go home and be condemned if you haven't been doing this. Just decide, you know what? I'm going to find someone to share what something the Lord did with me. You don't have to know how to get up and preach four points to salvation or anything like that. Just say what God did for you. Has the Lord ever done anything for you? Then tell them, hey, do you know what? When you hear they have a problem, have you, have you asked the Lord to help you with that? You know, I had this problem and I asked Him and this is what He did for me. And I'm sure that He would love to do the same thing for you. Can I pray for you? And, and just show them God's goodness in spirit and in truth. See, the trouble is we have... And I'm being serious when I say you do not go out of here and be condemned. All of us have probably been guilty of this in, in one shade or another. Okay, to some degree or another. Some more, some less. Um, but what we need to ask ourselves is if the creator of this universe thought it was important enough to send His only Son to the earth to save all of mankind, yet I don't think it's important enough to tell anyone about it? Whose side are you on anyway? Are you just worried about your own skin? The trouble is, and this is what I started to say a little bit ago, is the American church and the culture that we live in, this is not just unique to the American church, I'll say the Western church. In countries where we have it very easy, okay, we're not persecuted for the most part, and we're free to come and go, we have every convenience known to mankind, is the easy, we have more conveniences right now than we've ever had in the history of the world. And over the next 10, 20 years, you're going to probably see that double and triple and a whole lot with the, the invention of AI and, and that, how that's starting to take off. How many of you remember life before the Internet? Let's see your hands. I remember first hearing about the Internet and thinking, that'll never work. <laughs> Boy, was I wrong. And now, I mean, our children can't even imagine not, you know, you just automatically, you text things like Google. No, we use paper maps. You studied the route before you left and you memorized it and away you went. You know, now it's just Google and Google will even tell you when there's a traffic jam and reroute you and it's awesome. But we have so many conveniences, it's easy to rely on those rather than on the Spirit of God on the inside of us. And... I'll say it this way, with the American culture and the American church, there is a leaven that has come in and clouded our thinking and, and caused us in, in some ways to be lukewarm. It's why we don't witness more. It's why we, we say, well, I'm going to just live my life and if someone wants to know, they can ask me. In 1 Corinthians in chapter 5, you remember the trouble they were having there. So they were having sexual immorality in the church to, to the degree that even the heathen weren't okay with it. But yet the church, that particular church was saying they were bragging about the fact that they're putting up with it and that they're so not judgmental. And so Paul is sending them a letter. Well, the American church needs a letter, right? 
Well, he's sending them a letter, and he's giving them the what for and giving them correction and telling them what to do about this. And so he told them how to handle this individual that was doing this thing, and, and he explained to them, this is what he said. He said, your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough? Now, leaven is yeast. And when you put yeast into a batch of dough, if you're making bread, you know, it'll grow and puff up and get real big. And, and your wife or your mom will tell you to walk softly in the kitchen so that it doesn't, you know, if you jolt it, it'll fall back down. So it's a fragile thing, but even without touching it, after you mix it up, just leave it alone, it somehow gets through the whole thing and the, all of it is affected by it. None of it is not affected by the yeast that's in that dough. Well, he says here, clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new unleavened batch as indeed you are. For Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us observe the feast not with the old leaven or with the leaven of malice and evil. So malice and evil is a form of leaven but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. There it is again. Sincerity and truth. Being sincere and truth is how to be unleavened. But being fake and pretending and, and just acting like everything is, is you have this form of godliness, but you really have, aren't walking in it, that's leaven. And if you think that it's not going to affect other people around you, you're mistaken. You know, one of the best ways to get rid of things in your children is get rid of it in yourself. You don't want it in your house? Get rid of it out of you. It's leaven and it'll go through your house if it's in you. What is leaven? Well, it's malice, it's evil, it's, it's pride we see here. Um, Jesus explained leaven this way in, in Luke chapter 12. He said in verse 1, he said, Meanwhile, a crowd, or it says, Meanwhile, a crowd of many thousands came together so that they were trampling on one another. And Jesus began to say to his disciples first, Be on guard against the leaven of the Pharisees. And he explains what it is, which is hypocrisy. It's having a form of godliness, but it's not actually the truth in you. Again, you have to divide your feelings. Because how many have ever, you've, you've probably heard the saying, you felt as spiritual as a head of cabbage? How many have, okay, a fence post. How many of you have felt as spiritual as a fence post? Me. I mean, there's times there ain't nothing about me that feels spiritual at all. But I thank God in those moments, I'm not my feelings. And that the greater one lives in me. And I turn my focus on to the one that lives within. And realize that outside of Christ I'm nothing. Inside of Christ there's nothing I cannot do. And so hypocrisy is pretending to be something that you're not. That is different. That, let's say it this way. It is the intention to hide it is the intention to look one way knowing I'm not actually that way. I just want to present this this way. Sometimes fe people feel like they're a hypocrite because they don't feel the way they're presenting themselves. That is not what this is talking about. Feelings, again, come and go depending on temperatures, hunger, weather, snow, sunshine, 
what someone just said or didn't say to you a little bit ago. That's all feeling-based. So what hypocrisy is, is the Pharisees, they'd teach all these laws and rules and teach everyone else to keep them, but they weren't actually serving the Lord. It was all about a form. And in the back rooms, they're just as evil as everyone else. That's what hypocrisy is. In, in another gospel in Matthew 16, it says that they, Jesus had told them that they had forgotten to bring bread along on their boat ride. Now, Jesus had just fed the 4,000 and then the 5,000. And so now they forgot to bring bread along. And he says in the boat, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they begin to look at each other and be like, oh, he, he's upset that we didn't bring bread along. We forgot to bring bread. And Jesus says, really? You just saw the, me feed 4,000 and then 5,000 and you're worried about bread? They only had one loaf, actually. And like he had taken five loaves and fed 5,000. So surely one loaf for 12 disciples isn't going to be a problem. But in this particular case, they think that's what he's talking about. And so then he straightens it out and, and he explains to them. And then it ends in Matthew 16, 12 by them, the disciples saying, then they understood that he had not told them to beware of the leaven in the bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees which was all form and function, but no power. All appearances, but no truth. Go over to 2 Timothy 3 and verse 1. It says, But know this, hard times will come in the last days. So, days like COVID, even though we were surprised, we really ought not be. For people will be lovers of self, Lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, holding to the form of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid these people. Avoid them. So here we see a list that describes our culture around us, and unfortunately, like the frog in the pot of water that's gotten heated up, much of the American church. And... They're holding to the form of godliness, but denying its power. See, the transforming power of God and of His grace and of His blood will cause you to live above these things. The power of God is not His ability to overlook your sins, but it's for you to live without sin. And as soon as you recognize you've sinned because you're wholehearted, you come right back to the Lord. You come right back under His wing. You submit yourself to Him. You recognize, Lord, I missed that. I blew that. Thank You, Father, for Your Spirit that will lead me and guide me for my steps forward. So leaven, the love of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, is what it says in John. That's what the world is. You say, what is the world? It's the lust of the eye. It's things to look at. It's the lust of the flesh. Probably the number one thing that affects most believers when it comes to the lust of the flesh is their comfort zone. 
It touches everyone. We like to be comfortable. And how many times will we sacrifice what the Lord is telling us and prompting us on the inside because it's stepping out of our comfort zone? And then the pride of life. Pride in what you have and what you do and pride in who you are. Those things are the world. Those types of leaven is what will come in and corrupt a sincere and true heart. So that's what you're going to guard against. Stand up with me if you would for a moment and give your backside a break. If you want to stay sitting, that's fine too. But I want to give you an opportunity to stretch and move around a little bit. All right, so that was all in review. Oh man, it's going to be another long night. I don't know. I'm going to read this to you again. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. It doesn't say the good things of heaven. It says the good things of the land. That's the land that you live in here and now. If you're willing and obedient. So how many want to eat the good things of the land? The best steaks. Like the 401 prime steaks. The Wagyu steaks. If you don't know what a Wagyu steak is, I'm sorry. The best of the land. The best cars. The best houses. The best buildings. The best properties. The best watches. The best food. See, yeah, but it doesn't say that. It's talking only about food. It says to eat the good things of the land. Well, in this particular verse, it does say eat. But if you know the character of God by studying throughout the Word what His heart is in regards to His desire to bless you, you'll know it applies to much more than food. You can be seated. I'm going to read to you. I'm not going to tell you where I'm reading because I'm going to set you up to agree with me before I get to the verse that I want you to agree with. Let me say it a different way. I'm going to set you up to agree with the Lord before we get to the verse that some don't like to agree with. Is that okay? I don't know. It's like maybe I should pull my rock back out of my pocket. I had it ready a little bit ago. You ever notice that? How they were always ready to stone Jesus? Do they carry rocks with them in their pockets? I mean, like everywhere he went, they were ready to stone him. Well, you have your own pet rock. I think that's where they invented pet rocks. Their backpacks. Someone said, no, there was just rocks everywhere. Yeah, that was probably the case. That's why we paved the parking lot. All right, so this is a, and one of the apostles is writing this. And he is writing this to an individual or several individuals. And he is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So what I want you to, to judge, to decide, that's what judge means, to decide. I want you to decide if this is for us as today, as believers as well. If, if this was the Holy Spirit's heart for these individuals, would it also be God's heart for me? If this was God's desire for the individual, is he a respecter of persons? No. So if he would desire this for them, he would also desire this thing for me as his children. So I'm going to read one verse to you. It says, I have no greater joy than this, to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Does that sound like something God would say about his new covenant children? Not Old Testament stuff, not you know, back then, now, today. I have no greater joy than knowing that my children are walking in the truth. 
As parents, you can identify with that. Alright, so if we, if we can all agree that this was God's will for these people as well as it would be God's will for us, let me back up and read the verse that came before it. And can we still agree that this is God's heart? If it's God's heart for them, it would be God's heart for me. So the verse that comes before it says, For I was very glad when fellow believers came and testified to your fidelity to the truth, how you are walking in the truth. Is he describing the will, the heartbeat, the thoughts of God about these people? Hey, take that off the screen. You're not supposed to have that up there. They're supposed to be wondering where I'm reading. So that you can't get ahead of me and read where I'm going. Now, some of you already know because you haven't memorized. Now, would you agree that this is God's heartbeat for you and I? That He would be excited when we have fidelity to the truth and how we're walking in the truth? Yes. Yes? Anyone say no? Okay. Someone covered a yawn. I thought you were brave there for a moment. (laughs) Nope, I disagree. All right, I'm going to read the verse that came before that. So if those two verses I read apply to us as New Covenant believers, does the verse before this apply to New Covenant believers? Because some people will say the verse that I read in Isaiah about if you're willing and obedient to to go to the land, well, that was Old Testament, that was Old Covenant, that doesn't apply to us today. Well, okay, now we're in New Covenant with a New Covenant apostle writing to New Covenant believers, and he's saying, here's God's heartbeat for you. I'm writing by the inspiration of God Himself, and this is His desire and heartbeat and thoughts about you. He says, dear friend, I pray that you are prospering in every way, And be in good health just as your soul is prospering. So he is expressing to his friend, I hope you're doing well in every way. I hope you're prospering. I hope you're in health even as your soul prospers. So notice that he tied it to the prosperity of the soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Okay, And your mind is renewed when you read the Word of God. So that's your soul realm. So... He is sitting here and he's saying, I want, the Lord wants, he is expressing God's desire for him to prosper and be in health in every way. That includes finances. And if you look at this and go, yeah, but, because some people will say that this is just a greeting. This was just a greeting and isn't necessarily to the whole church. Well, the last two verses I read to you before were also part of that greeting. That, oh, I'm so excited that you're walking in the truth. Does that demonstrate the heart of God? Yes, yes, we agree. Okay, then the verse that came before it also demonstrates the heart of God. That it is His will that you prosper and that you be in health. It is not His will that you're poor, broke, sick, and tired. If it's God's will for you to be those things, then He shouldn't have wrote this about this guy. The verse that came before that says, The elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you are prospering in every way and be in good health just as your soul is prosperous. Put it up uh, now in the King James. uh, Verse 2. 3 John 2. It says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. Do you have it in the New King James? I pray that you may prosper in all things. You can agree that means 
relationships, that means finances, that means your schedules, that means your houses, your properties, your cars, your food, all things. And be in health just as your soul prospers. So it's going to be from the inside out. It's going to mirror what's happening on the inside, what he's saying to him. So he wrote this to a guy or guy or woman, I'm not sure, someone named Gaius. Okay? Gaius. So in this case, if, if the Lord's not a respecter of persons, and if he would say this about Gaius, then certainly he would say the same thing about you and I. The same thing about Nicole, or Josh, or Jen, or Jonathan, or Karen. I'm always safe going with Jonathan and Karen because we have so many of those two in the congregation. It covers lots of people. So here's what I want you to do. Let's read this together out loud. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, instead of now personalize it. Instead of beloved, use your or say say your own name. All right? It'll be like this. Sydney, I pray that you may prosper in, in all things and be in health just as my soul prospers. If he would write it to Gaius, he would write it to you. And here's the question. Do you believe that? Because if you don't believe he wants you to eat the good of the land, you won't be bothered with it. So don't worry about it. Now, it's not wrong to be poor and broke. It's not a sin. But it does hamper what you can do. It's more difficult to be poor and broke. It's, it's harder to not be greedy when you're poor and broke than it is when you're prosperous. I've done it both ways, I know. I'm a lot more money-minded when I don't have money than I am when I do have money. Alright? So put in your own name and let's just read it again. One, two, three. Sydney, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Who can say amen? Prosper and be in health. Look at your neighbor and say, I pray that you may prosper and be in health just as your soul prospers. Alright, I want to talk a start. Let's put it that way. I'm not going to finish it. I'm not going to keep you that long. I want to get this percolating in your spirit for in several weeks when I'm back with you and that we can go further in it. And that is about wealth and riches. And God's plan in regards to wealth and riches for you. And you might say, well, is this one of those health and wealth and prosperity churches? Yes. That's what you've come into. Yes. We believe God wants you to be healthy. We believe He wants you to be wealthy. Because there's great need for your wealth in this world. Not to serve yourself but to serve the kingdom. And we believe the Lord wants you to be prosperous and to be a light into all the world. And we also believe very strongly that should we find ourselves prosperous with or without, that will not affect our service of our King of kings and Lord of lords. Paul said, I know how to be, have a bunch and I know how to have nothing. I know how to be hot and I know how to be cold. I know how to be full and I know how to be hungry. But he was determined but the main thing is that he's going to go the distance. He's going he's to still walk with the Lord no matter how and what comes his way. And the Lord would always prosper him. He'd come out and 
then he'd come right back into blessing. Back in Isaiah chapter 1 in verse 8, 19, it says, If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. So if the Lord has not changed, He said, Am I God that I would change or that I would change my mind? He said this multiple times in His Word. And so people have the idea that the God of the Old Testament was this angry codger that was always looking to smite someone with a big stick, whereas the God of the New Testament is nothing but cuddles and hugs and will put up with anything. And that's just a lie on both sides of it. God is love, but love will also discipline. Right? I mean, the Word says that if you love your children, you'll discipline them. Right? Well, we are no different. And so if God loves us, we're going to come under times of discipline. Now you have to understand that His discipline is not car accidents and sickness and poverty. Okay? His discipline will have choices that come with it. That's another sermon. But the point I want to bring out to you in this, well, let's read it again. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. If this was the God of the Old Testament, well, we read something very similar over here in 3 John. As well as, again and again, all throughout Scripture, we see verses like from Proverbs 10.22. It says, the blessing of the Lord makes rich. And it's talking about wealth and finances. The blessing of the Lord makes rich. And He adds no sorrow with it. No trouble with it. It's trouble-free income. The blessing of the Lord makes rich. I like uh, in Isaiah 119, in the God's Word translation, it says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. See, some people have the attitude that I don't need much. I just need enough for me to get by. I'm not greedy. I'm not, well, that's good that you're not greedy. However, if your idea of having enough is just enough for you and your four and no more, that's one of the most selfish things that you can do and say. Because you've excluded a whole world of need and people that could use the blessing that's on you to, to help and assist them. The Living Bible says it this way, if you will only let me help you, if you will only obey, then I will make you rich. Well, that's not a literal translation. It does bring out the heart of what he's saying. It is the Lord's desire to make you rich. To make you wealthy. You know, he started with Abraham, made covenant with him, made him wealthy, made him be a blessing to all nations. And he was the one that was supposed to be our example. Now, if he would have told Abraham, or at that time, Abram, Abram, I'm going to send you out in the desert, and you're going to wear sackcloth and ashes, and you're going to, um, you know, just have nothing and eat locust and wild honey all the days of your life, and um, I'm going to make a covenant with you. And out of that, you know, there's going to be these um, uh, people that come into the earth. And everyone is going to uh, follow in your footsteps. Well, then we would say, okay, we probably ought to uh, go put on sackcloth and ashes. But that's not how, what happened here, is it? He was an example of everything the Lord wanted to do in the new t- covenant for you and I. 
The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Now, what's our text? If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Sometimes the trouble... Worship team, you can come. Sometimes the trouble is that we obey, but we're not willing, or we're willing, but we don't obey. Because we think we have limitations, in particular around finances, right? The Lord will ask you to do something that's much bigger than your pocketbook, and, well, that's what happened to me. You know, this week, uh, two years ago, I summited Mount Kilimanjaro, and it was on the 16th. And uh, the morning of the 16th, and the Lord had spoken to me on the mountain on the inside, not by audible voice or something spooky, you know, just on the inside, and said I needed to come home and get my pilot's license. Well, at that point, that looked like a near impossibility. I don't have a reason for it. Why? I don't have the money for it. Um, Yeah. And so I came home and decided to obey Him by searching out places and what is the cost and getting, getting at least having the knowledge of knowing what would need to be done. And I determined the cost. I determined where we could do it. And I'm like, alright Lord, when You provide the money, I will obey. Except that some months later, a couple of months later, right, the Lord comes and visits me and I can tell He's not pleased. Because I told you to get your pilot's license. And I thought I was waiting on the Lord. I thought my problem was the money. And when the Lord corrects you on something, in a moment of time, you suddenly see clearly. And you realize your best laid excuse and reason just doesn't, yeah, doesn't hold water. Nope, you're right, you're right, you did tell me that. And I had begun to doubt that on the mountain, maybe I was just high on lack of oxygen, you know imagining things. Maybe I didn't hear from the Lord. How many have ever had that? Lord speak to you and then later you begin to doubt and wonder. I know that most of you have experienced that because here's how it works usually. You're in the church service. You're in worship. You, you make a new agreement about something. Yes, you're going to do different. And by Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, that, that urgency of that sense wears off and you forget about it and don't do it. It's the same thing. That's why it's important to write things down so that you have record of it. Yes, this was what I sensed in that moment. Well, I knew in that moment that I needed to obey and that I'm going to be willing now too. Money or no money. I'm going to spend money that wasn't meant for that. I'm going to take our house savings and put it in that and I'm going to obey the Lord. I don't care if it's the last thing I do on earth. I'm going to obey the Lord and I'm willing. Well, that's what I set out to do. And as you know the story, I got my private pilot license. I got my instrument rating. And I didn't even realize this until today. Uh, but this week, I got my multi-engine rating. Now, you have to understand that when the Lord came and, and chastised, chided me for not obeying Him, He asked me a question. He said, this is before I had taken one lesson or even had signed up for anything. He said, how do you see yourself, right, in an airplane? And I'm like, I don't know, I guess in the front of a little single-engine small plane. And the Lord said, you need a bigger vision. The plane you're going to need is going to have multiple engines. So I determined that I'm going to obey the Lord. I'm going to get my license. I'm going to get all my ratings that I need for multiple engines. And then the Lord can work out all the other stuff on His time. 
But I'm going to do my part. And two years to the day, I didn't realize this until today, two years to the day of summiting that mountain when the Lord said, go get your pilot's license is when I completed my multi-engine rating. You don't need to clap for me. What I want you to see is if you're willing and obedient, and if you'll step out in faith, the Lord's going to meet you there. And He's going to take you there. And in two years from now, you'll be somewhere you'd never even thought you would ever be. In, in, a, in blessing. In, you know, just this week, I flew uh, Apostle Dale down to uh, Virginia Beach to minister to an old friend who used to be on the board of Church of the Word. And he'd had a stroke. And so we went down, prayed for him at the hospital, ministered to him. That's not something we could have done two years ago. Right? But now it was made available because of what the Lord did. Now, what if I wasn't willing? What if I wasn't obedient? Every time I talk to the Lord about this whole airplane thing, and Lord, what do you have in mind? He always tells me it's so much bigger than you think. And I don't know what He means, but I'm just going to be willing and obedient. Now, for you and I, as we walk this out personally, I'm saying being willing and obedient before the Lord and whatever He sets before you, don't think you have to know all the hows or whys before you just simply submit and obey to Him and say, Lord, I'll do that. I'll do that. You tell me what you want done and I'll step out. Who can agree to say, Lord, here am I, send me. Abraham went not knowing where he went. He's like, he's on the move. He's going. Well, for us, we need, you know, all the ducks lined up and the I's dotted and the crosses, T's crossed and everything figured out before we do it because that's wisdom. Normally, yes. Normally, that's wisdom. But when the Lord tells you to do something now and He means now, don't delay. Just move on it. Be willing and let Him supernaturally come alongside and bring about what He wants to bring about. Stand up with me. Don't allow your financial limitations. I'm not saying about saying you should go off and rack up a debt or something like that. But even those things, the Lord can tell you, show you how or where, what your next step is. What to do. How to do it. I know some of you, the Lord's put dreams in your heart that you don't know how they could come to pass. I know some of you, He's, he's put things before you that you've even stepped into, but... Maybe you're slow and hesitant to take the next step because you see the limitations. And what I want to encourage you in is to be like David when he faced Goliath. All of the Israelite army, they saw the limitations in Goliath. Their own limitations compared to Goliath. David didn't see his limitations compared to Goliath. He saw the Goliath, he saw the giant's limitations compared to his God. He compared the problem to his Lord instead of himself to the problem. So let's do that with the things the Lord brings before us to do. And with him, I can do all things. Amen? Father, I lift up these your people to you right now. And Lord, I ask you, even those dreams, those things, those assignments that you've placed on people's hearts, that Father, right now, you would breathe as fresh air into their spirit on these things again. Lord, I call hope 
to light in them in Jesus' name. Father, give them eyes to see it, ears to hear you accurately and clearly on the inside. Lord, I ask you that you would help each one of us to be prosperous in our soul, in your word, in character, and in integrity, that we might be the most blessed people like you have already pronounced upon us. That people looking on would recognize they have the favor and blessing of God on their life. Lord, I'm asking you to enable us further to do more and to go further and to do more and that every year we might come more in step, more in sync with what you want to do in the earth through Church of the Word, through the people that are listening. In Jesus' name, I call these things as complete. Lord, here am I. Someone say, send me. Father, You are great. Thank You, Lord, for Your goodness to us. We just worship You, Father. Thank You for the many blessings You've given to us. Thank You that You've prospered us and that You've caused us to walk in health and life. Thank You that You've given us so much that You're only good, that there's no shadow of turning from being good. I bless You, Lord. Just tell them with your own mouth. I bless you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Someone needs to say this. So just repeat after me. In my coming and in my going, He blesses me. He causes even my enemies to be at peace with me. I am... The blessed of the Lord. He favors me. I am the apple of His eye. And I exist that I might serve Him and bless Him and worship Him. Hallelujah. So I, uh, I've lived my whole life in this area. This is where I... You can relate to this. Um, but when we hear what we heard tonight... Fight it with the word, and um, Amen. Thank you, Jonathan. It's really funny that uh, what the Lord shared with me to say earlier is out of Matthew, when he's him to heal his servant, right? And he understands authority. <coughs> and he, he tells Jesus that I understand authority. He's like, I understand that you have authority. You don't need to come to my house. And what does Jesus say to him when he expresses his faith and his understanding of? He says, go your way, and as you have... Tonight's message was great. It is exactly what God wants for us. He wants us to prosper. But it's as you have believed is as far as He can take you. Your belief limits God. And that can be a great limit or a low limit. But as you have believed, tonight will flow in, in the Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So if 
if you don't have dreams that you don't think are attainable, you need to start dreaming for things that aren't attainable because you're limiting God if you are. You know, some of us are thinking tonight, well, yeah, God wants me to prosper, but this needs to happen and this needs to happen. And you're thinking so big. So I'm I'm not memonizing the fact of thinking so big, but I'm going to bring another piece of the puzzle in. God has gifted you with what he has placed in you, and he wants to prosper you with that. And sometimes we've laid things down, or we just don't think that it is as important as maybe something else. But I feel like the Lord, I really sense this by the power of the Holy Spirit, is God wants you to look inside. And what are you good at? What do you enjoy doing? What's in your hand? And I'm thinking of the widow, you know, who came to the prophet. And he said, get your jars. (laughs) Her jars prospered her. See, think about that. Think, what do you love to do? What's in your hand? What's in you? And I'm, you know, what you said tonight about the, you took little steps of faith two years ago. You didn't see the big picture two, two years later, did you? I still don't. <laughs> exactly. But he did, number one, what he heard the Lord told him to do. And he had enough tenacity inside that I can do this. And you need that tenacity, especially when you're venturing out into something new. But All of us have something in our hand. All of us have something in us that God wants to prosper. Don't despise small beginnings. Amen. I love how the Lord is a God of completeness. In the sermon, at the end of the sermon in worship, I'm just feeling like, Lord, aren't complete. So he has Jonathan and Josh and Karen finish the message. See, he cares that you get all parts of the truth and that you walk in it. Amen? All right, say, I am a doer. Not a hearer only. But I hear and believe and do the Word of God. All right, one way we do the Word of God is we love on each other here in this house. So love the Lord by loving each other. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Church of the Word International here in... Yeah! Hallelujah! (laughs) That's what I'm talking about right there. It's so good to be in the house of God with with the family of God. There's no greater place. And how appropriate is Psalms 27 that I'm going to read with you. David love to be in the temple. Now, today we're the temple of God. God resides in us, but that wasn't the case in David's age. But listen to what he says about it. It's so beautiful. In Psalms 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Wow, have a perspective like that. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 
When the wicked come against me to eat my flesh, the enemies and foes, they stumble and fall. Though an army may encamp around and about me. Boy, that happened numerous times, didn't he? Didn't it with him? He makes this bold statement. My heart shall not fear. Glory to God. Think about how much he meditated on the strength of the Lord, how much he trusted the Lord. Though war may rise against me, in this will I be confident. You can just feel his faith, can't you? One thing I have desired of the Lord. Now I just stopped there for a minute and went, oh, David's got a one thing. Paul had a one thing. Paul said this one thing I do. I'm going to forget the things that laid behind that lays behind me. But David, listen to his one thing that I have desired of the Lord that I will seek that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That's a continual day to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he will hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Do you hear the boldness of his faith? See, that kind of boldness comes when you dwell. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer a sacrifice of joy in his tabernacle. Now we offer a sacrifice of praise with the fruit of... I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Again, he is using his will. I am going to do this, even if I don't feel like it. Why? Because God deserves all the glory. Amen? He goes on to say, you've been my help. You teach me your ways. You lead me in a smooth path. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living not the great by and by here and now he trusted the lord he'd see his goodness and he shall strengthen your so important that david said it collectively tonight i'm sure you all do it individually throughout the day but tonight and where there is unity there commanded blessing so expect the commanded blessing on your life tonight because we Let's stand up together, family. You are precious in his sight. And let's worship and praise him tonight. know why there's joy in here yes. because when we get born again of the spirit and we get born again because of what Jesus and he died on a cross shed his blood that each and every person with breath in their lungs would have their spirit man becomes alive unto God Jesus came to show us the, that's why he came 
to connect us back to the Father who created and have a working, live, communicating relationship with the Father. And died a horrific death. Make that happen to whosoever. It doesn't matter about your past. It doesn't matter what you did or didn't do. Jesus came for you. Now, our part is to believe that and to respond to that and say, yes, Lord, I believe that Jesus is God and died on the cross for me, forgave me of all my sins and put a new spirit, a new heart within me that I may have relationship with my heavenly father. And when you say that from your heart and your mouth, that's Romans 10, 9 and 10, God Almighty comes within your spirit, recreates you, and you now are born of the spirit. You're born again. Glory to God. So that kingdom of God, which is righteousness, right standing with the Father, joy unspeakable, full of glory, the peace that passes all understanding comes to live within you. So that's why we can have that joy, unspeakable, full of glory. And it doesn't have to, you know, just wane during circumstances. You know, like if the Red Wing, uh, the Red Chiefs won your football game, wow, you were in a lot of joy. But if you were for the 49ers, maybe not so much. But that joy is always turned on in your spirit. It's always accessible. Amen. Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, everything that is good in our life, everything that's good going on is because of Jesus. So let's give them all the glory. Lift your hands and just praise them and thank them for the good, good God that he is to each and every one of us. He's alive. Jesus is alive. He's alive in me. He's alive in you. He's alive here tonight. And we welcome you, we celebrate you, we honor you, we honor your presence with us tonight. Have your way, move among us, move in our hearts, have your way. We love you with all our hearts. We're so, so grateful, Jesus, for what you did. Father, thank you for sending your son. Holy Spirit, you're here and breathe new life on all of us. Do as you will. This is your night, Jesus. We celebrate you. Hallelujah. Let's just give him a great big hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We are the most blessed people on the face of the earth. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you're here tonight. One way we love God is by loving one another. Amen. The children may be dismissed to their classes. Well, good evening. It's good to be with you all tonight. We welcome you to Church of the Word International. Anyone here for the very first time? We'd like to welcome our guests in the house. (laughs) Over here, welcome. We're so glad you're with us. I trust you'll be ministered to. So we're going to return the tithe to the Lord. If you need an envelope for cash giving, you can raise your hand. Our ushers will see that you get one. If you're giving by check, you can make it out to CWI. And if you give by credit card, just fill out all of the blanks. You know, tithing demonstrates trust. You know, I think sometimes people that have an issue with tithing, what they really have an issue with is 
putting their trust in the Lord. It's really what it is because, you know, if you think about it, it takes trust to take a portion, especially if you feel like you have a limited income anyways, and you take a portion of that and you return it to the Lord, it takes some trust. It takes some trust to put your faith and say, God, I'm, tr- I'm looking to you to provide. A- an act of obedience and demonstrating, I believe you're the provider, that takes some trust. So, but I was thinking about this. This principle, this idea of I'm going to work for, I'm going to work but not eat everything that I worked for, that's been around for a very long time. From the beginning, literally from the beginning of the book. You can turn to Genesis chapter 2, that's where we're going, but the idea that you would set something aside just for God, simply because you loved him, and you honored him, and you trusted him. You know, that's been around since, well, day eight. <laughs> I would say day one, but that, no, I don't think they were there day one. But, but this, this act, that's an action of trust. You know, if God said such and such, well, you don't get it. You don't know why you're not supposed to eat of this tree, but I trust him. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. But in Genesis um, chapter 2, verse 15, we know the story here how God created everything, and he formed man, and he breathed life into him, and that he created this garden, and in the center of the garden there was a tree that they were not supposed to eat of. In verse 15 it says, The Lord took the man, put him in the garden of Eden, to work it and care for it. And the Lord God commanded the man. See, instructions right from the get-go. People want to say, oh, you know, grace means there's no instructions. You don't have to do it, you know. No, they had instructions. They had instructions to heed. It says, uh, the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. He gave him everything. Put him in this beautiful place. Says, it's all yours. He just wants to bless his kids. That's always been his heart from the beginning. He said, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So you have this situation where God has this garden, he places Adam in it to work it and care for it. Now he's supposed to work and care for this garden. That means he's going to work and care for this tree too. So he is going to work and tend and care for something that he will not eat. You see this principle? Working for what you will not eat. That's been around since the beginning. This portion that's supposed to be setting aside. He asked him to steward this garden. He wanted him to produce. He wanted him, but yet this one portion they weren't supposed to partake of. And you say, well, yeah, but that wasn't a give. That wasn't a, um, you know, that was just a, well, yes, obedience. He, they would be giving their trust. They would be giving their honor. Because when I honor the Lord, that's one way we demonstrate honor is to obey. You know, obedience really um, demonstrates all three of those things. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And when you know when you honor somebody, then you put enough value and weight on what they've said, you heed it. And it takes trust to obey what you don't understand. So all of those things... Um, would have been demonstrated by simply obedience, but we know that they didn't. And I don't know how much time was in between there. Like, how long did they work and care and tend for this garden, this tree, you know, before they disobeyed? But their obedience, you know, for however short or long that was, was demonstrated, demonstrating they trusted the Lord. 
Well, turn to Leviticus chapter 27. You'll see a verse here. It says here in verse 30, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. So here again is the concept of the portion of what we work for, of what we uh, produce belonging to the Lord that we will not eat of. So when we tithe, we're demonstrating love, we're demonstrating honor, we're demonstrating that we trust God. These are all actions of, of trust when you are returning, working for something that you do not eat. Am I making sense? A portion that's set aside simply because I love the Lord, I want to honor him. Well, do I trust the Lord or do I trust the land? You know, do I trust the channel from which my income is coming from? That's why I say that tithing demonstrates trust. His desire from the very beginning has always been to bless us, has always been to see us increase. So he's not a taker. You know, he's not taking what is, you know, it is his to begin with. He says this portion is a holy portion. It belongs to him. So I just wanted to encourage you tonight that the Lord wants you to increase. The Lord wants to multiply you. He wants you to trust him, though. He wants you to recognize he's the source. He's the provider. You know, 1 Timothy 6, towards the end of the chapter, talks about command those that are rich in this world not to be arrogant or high-minded. Don't put your trust in the riches, but put your trust in the Lord who, anybody know the word? Richly provides. Do you all hear that? It says he richly provides everything for our enjoyment. His heart is to see you prosper and blessed, but he wants your trust. Amen? All right. Take a hold of your tithe. Let's pray and present that to the Lord. Father, I thank you so much that you are trustworthy, that you're a good, good father, that your heart is to see your kids do well. Your heart is to see us multiplied and prosperous and blessed, to be a blessing. But Lord, we just are so grateful for the resources you put in our hands. Lord, I thank you that you guide us and that you show us how to use these resources. And so we just acknowledge you as the source, as the provider of all good things. We know you're not withholding one good thing from us. And we're so grateful. And so we just present the tithe as part of our worship. And I thank you, Lord, these people are blessed. They are blessed people, according to your word. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And amen. amen. The ushers can pass the baskets and people will give to the Lord. All right, I had a bulletin. Where is it? Right here. I got it. We have an all-team leaders meeting planned Monday. It's February 19th on Monday, 7 p.m. here at the church. If you're part of those, I'm sure you're well aware of that. Um, we look forward to seeing you Monday. Many of you know this already, but I thought I would mention it from the front in case it's missed some people, but Karen has started a Bible study, a Zoom Bible study. It's so good. I've been able to plug in once, not the second one yet, but we'll get to that one. But it's so good, and I would highly encourage you to be a part of that. It's welcome. It's open for everybody, so not just ladies. Men, you can take part of this too. Even if you feel like you can't uh, plug in on Thursdays, it's Thursdays at 9 a.m., but you can, if you ask Alicia to be on the email list, you can get the email and you can watch it or 
listen to it, the recording, on your own time. So good. So if you're interested, reach out to Alicia and she'll plug you in. All right, our youth pastors have some exciting announcements to make for upcoming youth events, so I'll let y'all come share. Hi, everybody. Well, you are in for a very, very special evening tonight. Um, have you ever watched those TV shows where they're like, three of you have something under your chair, and if that's you, come on down. Well, three of you tonight have something very special, a box, actually, under your seat. So if you do, grab that box and come on down. Oh, wow. All right. This may have been a little planned out. <laughs> You'll see why it needed to be planned out. All right. Hi, contestant number one. Thanks for being here. Can you show us what is in your prize box tonight? Looks like a pair of shoes. Hmm, shoes. So I probably should try them on and see if That's a good idea. They're perfect size. They are perfect size. So why do you think you got shoes in your prize box? I mean, maybe I need a new pair of shoes. Okay, maybe. Or maybe something to do with um, having your feet shod. Oh, yes. So we're, we're actually learning about the armor of God, and your feet are supposed to be fitted with the preparedness of the gospel. So these are shoes, so that way we're prepared with the gospel. Ready to go. Okay. All right. Oh, yeah, you're supposed to. Okay. Contestant number two. Thank you, Jake. Contestant number two, what's in your prize box? Uh, looks like a book. Oh, oh, it's a Bible. Not just any book. Bible. This is great. Oh, there's there's something in it. Oh, a passport. Oh wait. This is in Mark it says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. A map. What kind of a map? A world map. Interesting. Contestant number three, what's inside your box? Oh a bookmark marks my place in like a book or something. My place to see and having places with Jesus next to the Father. God loves me, and I love him, and one way we love one another is by loving him. One way we love God is by loving one another. We don't hear it quite enough. All right. Nice. Good job. Good job. Good job. Yeah. Okay. So, where are you going, and when are you going? Where are you going? Well, I'm glad you asked. So our youth and young adult ministry here is for eighth graders all the way up into single 20-year-olds, and our group name is Impact. And we have had the great pleasure of having Impact in our local body. If you look around on any given Saturday night, you will see youth on the stage, you will see youth in children's ministry, serving in VBS. Um, they're serving everywhere locally. We've served at CityGate on numerous occasions. And we have the great pleasure, Jake and Elizabeth serve with Josh and I as leaders, and we have the great pleasure of taking our kids outside of the country. Um, we are partnering with Living Waters Teaching Ministries, yes, and um, we are going in November. We leave in November, get back in December. It's about a week-long trip. How many of you have ever heard of Operation Shoebox? Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, it's a ministry that's well known across the world. Every November, um, different groups get shoeboxes and they fill them with needs for children. So they'll get toothbrushes, deodorant, all kinds of things, plus some fun toys and gifts too for the kids. And there's different ways that you can partner with them. You can fill the boxes and drop them off and teams will take them. You can send money or you can actually go and be a part of passing out the shoeboxes to the children. And so that's what we're doing. We are going to take our kids and we are and your kids, and we are going to take them to Guatemala, and um, Levi and Andrea are going to serve alongside of us. This is not their first time there. And uh, we're gonna take the kids and we're gonna go do that. Um, so there's a couple of things that we would ask. Our kids have a heart to serve. It's very evident in this local body. They have a heart for missions because they're members of CWI, which has us. Um, so we're just asking that you would pray for them, that you would help uh, prepare their hearts. Some of them, this is the first time ever being out of the country. It's my first missions trip and several others' first missions trips. So we're just asking that you would be pray, prayerful over the kids that are going, um, the, the other teams that we're going to be interacting with, because I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of ministry that happens iron sharpens iron, not just to the kids. And then also for the kids that we're going to be serving. I have heard, because I've never been on a trip, but you go on a mission trip and your life has changed. And we are believing that our kids are going to come back changed for the better. Um, and just on fire to be even more evangel evangelistic here in their everyday lives. So um, the other thing that we are doing is we have um, a lot of times when any kind of missionaries come in, our kids are missionaries. Do you guys know that you're missionaries? Wherever your feet go you be ready to share the good news. So um, sometimes they have these awesome opportunities to partner. A lot of you partner with ministries already. And so we are, we want to give the opportunity for our local body to um, partner with our kids just for the next six months. Um, we have partner cards. If you're interested, um, you can give whatever the Lord would put on your heart to give. And, or if you just want to give a one-time donation to kids. But your seed will go into the children our children to then go so into these other kids, so to make an impact um, for our kids and the ones that we're going to be ministering to. So if you're interested, we have these. Come see Josh or I afterwards. They're also out on the table um, back by the door. Um, as far as like giving, checks can be made out to CWI, and we'll just make sure that it's memoed youth mission strip. Thank you. Awesome. That's going to be life-changing for the children, for the young people. I will say, though, that we missed somebody, missed a great opportunity when Jake wasn't looking to put a pair of high-heeled women's shoes into that box. <laughs> he didn't hear us, but now we, we can still do it the next time because he doesn't know about it, but everyone else does. When I was 17, we took, our youth took a mission trip from, we were in southwestern Missouri, and we bought a big yellow school bus, and the pastor and enough adults to where there were like four young people per adult uh, went along, and we drove all the way down to Belize, all the way through Mexico, spent several weeks doing it. We sold the bus down there and all flew home. But in the process, we did a lot of street evangelism going down there and at a number of churches down there. In fact, that was my first, um, first 
time public speaking outside of our own church. Our church did something where they would have on our Sunday night services, they would have sometimes what they called topics, maybe four different subjects, short um, sermonettes uh, that were, were taught or spoken on. So when I was 16, I did that in our church. But on this particular trip, we were at a Russian Mennonite church, and um, I shared my testimony uh, with a, a church that was 700 people. He talked about a case of stage fright. Thank God he delivered me. But I say all of that to say, I still to this day think back to that trip, to different things that happened on the trip, and how it, gave, it changed my perspective. I came away from the trip as well these young people with a gratefulness for things that they just have taken for granted at home. Also, it's open for adults, I believe, to go along to help with everything. I don't know, maybe you've already got it all staffed, but talk to Josh and Alicia, and uh, they'll fill you in with more details if you want. Also, um, I want to give you an update on Javin. He has, their plan was to go home today from the hospital. He is able to walk with the help of a walker now, and he had not, as of this morning, still been able to feel his feet or his hands but from like the elbow down, knees down is where it got a lot of numbness and stuff like that. Still was dealing with a lot of pain for his own body, was attacking his nerve system somehow. And they have several different names that they're not sure which it is, what it is. However, there was a major breakthrough this week for him. It it had gotten to the place where they were concerned it was going to affect his breathing because he was just paralyzed you know, more and more over his whole body. And I sent that when we prayed together, if you remember, I sent that to him. And then um, on Thursday, our, our friend Big Tim, as most of you know him by that name, went in and, and prayed with him as well. And Thursday afternoon, there was a breakthrough. And it was like he, uh, Javin was telling me today that he said it was, it, he was like he woke up. And um, it, like his mind returned. And so he has been just, it's been a nonstop witnessing. He told me, um, I think it's like 50 people that he's witnessed to that have been prayed for that came in and out of his hospital room now. And uh, so the Lord's been being glorified. That's the good news. And, and the further good news is, is that we're going to see him completely restored and get to rejoice with him when he's here in a- April and um, see what the Lord has done for them. But let's continue to believe and stand with Him for complete and total restoration of bodily functions and, and walking and feeling and for the pain to stop. And he, he sent me and He was thanking me that for agreeing with them in prayer. And He said, you guys were the first church to do that. And um, so I thought I would share that with you. And thank the Lord for His faithfulness. Also, his brother Stephen, whom we know well, and of course uh, Adrian is over there with them right now, and Eric and, and Ty, and um, Eric's mom and dad, and Ty's mom and dad are here with us tonight. Give us a wave so everyone knows who you are. Anyhow, Stephen told me today that uh, they're going to be tomorrow um, crossing over into a neighboring country that is less safe than where they're at, or is known for being less safe, let's put it that way. And they're going to be there for a few days and doing the work of the Lord, and then they're going to come back over uh, to where their home is. And so let's just take a moment and lift them up in prayer. It's going to be Stephen, Eric, and two other people. I didn't catch who they were going to be. 
And uh, let's believe God for a successful trip. Lord, I thank you that your word is eternal and that you said that you would keep us from all harm and danger and that as we go, you would protect us. That Psalms 91 belongs to us as your new covenant children. And Father, we thank you for Stephen, for Eric, for the other people that are going with them on this trip. Lord, I'm asking you that you just keep them in a bubble of divine favor with border personnel everywhere they go, that they would have favor. Lord, that you would give them understanding and insight, eyes to see what is not easily seen, and ears to hear in the spirit realm as you direct their steps. I thank you that you provide for them in their finances as they go, and that you bring them back home in safety. And Lord, that the seed of the Word of God, that they sow into that region and into people's hearts and lives, that it will grow, that it will find root, and that it will bring forth the harvest of righteousness into the kingdom in Jesus' name and amen. Now next weekend, we have a special treat. We're going to have Stephen's mom and dad here, Javin's mom and dad, and uh, Stephen and Donna. Um, they will be here and ministering on Saturday night. And then if you wanted to, you could go over to Bill Hague's church Sunday morning. They're going to be ministering there in the morning. So come out and prepare. Uh, you remember when they were here last time, right? Yeah? And I remember it was a powerful weekend that we had with them. So I'm expecting big things. And plus, we're just doubly blessed because they're going to stay with us at our house. So. <laughs>